Three of episode nine of the Gray Matter Radio Hour. I'm your host, Mr. E, and tonight we're picking up where we left off in part two of this episode with my amazingly talented good friend and guest, Wendy Parland, asking about an alter ego character of mine that was surprisingly similar to her friend Andy Kaufman's alter ego, Tony Clifton. Could you tell me the story you mentioned was, you, you know, that you did Tony before Tony did Tony? Yeah, I found out about Tony Clifton very late, Wendy. I mean, I was a big Andy Kaufman fan ever since I first saw him on Saturday Night Live. And I think it was the summer after I graduated high school, Elvis died. And that, of course, was a big deal in the South. The entire South was in mourning. And I remember my friends and I hanging around the TV set, waiting for Saturday Night Live to come on, wondering if Andy would come on and if he would have the balls to do Elvis. Because even though we saw Elvis as kind of a joke by then, it was still way too soon. We were just waiting in anticipation. And sure enough, he came on and went, he won't, he won't do it. But then sure enough, at the end of his act, Andy goes into his Elvis and we just lost it. We could not believe he was that ballsy. Oh, God, if anyone was ever ballsy, that's Oh, my God, absolutely. Um, I I was, like, mind-blown and became such a fan at that point because Elvis had become kind of a cartoon character of himself by that time. He was so bad late in his career. You could tell he was just, he was bloated and doing drugs. And it was, you know, he's sweaty with a big belt. His belt buckles just kept getting bigger and bigger (laughs) to cover up his belly. And for Andy to come out and do that, I was like, this man's my hero, you know? So, um, but, but before that, when I was much younger growing up, you know, I couldn't assert myself. I was like you. I, I was always told to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, kids are to be seen yeah, and not heard right, kind of thing. Right. And every time I'd go in a store, my mom would send me in to get something, and I would be taken advantage of by a salesman in the store, and I'd always come walking out with something I didn't want, and I didn't have what I went in for. And my mom would be like, what, What'd you, what did you do that? Because they would just see it. They could just see it in my demeanor that they could take advantage of this kid. So, um... Next thing you know, I must have been 16 because I had a car and I had a, a battery that, that, was, that had a crack in it. It was one of those diehard batteries and they're, they're guaranteed for life. And I thought, I just got this battery. It's got a crack in it. I'm going to take it back. And my friend decided he was going to drive me, my neighbor friend. And on the way to the Sears, I was telling him how I didn't know how I was going to pull this off. How am I going to convince them to give me a new battery? He says, I've just taken a course in consumer action. And he said, you have to rock their boat. You can't give up. You have to make sure you make things as uncomfortable for them as you are uncomfortable, which also applies to political action. You know, you you can't let them get the upper hand. So I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And I just come up with this character from my friend's, my sister's girlfriend, she was in love with this guy named Tony from New York, and he, in the South, a big New Yorker, big talking New Yorker guy, they, they can do anything they want, because they just, they just, they're, this guy was a womanizer, he'd always be going, hey, toots, you know, like, to the, to the waitress, come here, come here, you know, come here, toots, 
And he'd put her hand, his hand on her butt and pull her over, you know, close. And, and she'd be just like swooning. And he'd be like, listen, this is my friends and I want this and that, you know. And he'd be talking. And so I, I was like, this is something. I can use this, you know. Like I'm watching him being this character. And so, ding, a light bulb goes on over my head. And I go, I'll be Tony. I'll go in and talk to this guy as Tony. So I go in and they say, you're going to have to come back tomorrow and talk to the manager. So the next day, put on a suit, and I go in there, and I'm in the guy's office I'm supposed to talk to for a new battery. And so I'm, I'm in there in his office waiting for him, and I go, I got to get in character. So I started pacing and just getting all worked up. And he comes in, and I locked eyes on him like a radar and pointed my finger straight at his face and followed him, kept my finger on him till he sat down in his desk. Just like this personality took over, and I started in on him like telling him, I, I want a new battery and this and that. In the South, they're not used to this treatment. He just backed away from me. He gets on the phone and I see him. He turns his back to me and like just curls up almost in a ball. And I can hear him just talking to the phone. He goes, get this guy a battery and get him out of my office. So <laughs> next thing you know, I'm driving home with a new battery. <laughs> so Tony was my alter ego after that. And I had I put on a leisure suit. I had a, like a bought a blue powder blue leisure suit, and I had white patent leather shoes with gold buckles and a and a and a uh, white uh, belt with or it was stupid belt had mushrooms like stamped into it like badly spray painted, and and this suit with a with a wedding a Mexican wedding uh, shirt on with the ruffles in the front you know and a, had a gold necklace with a big dollar sign on it. So I was Tony, I became this, this nightclub singer from Vegas named Tony. You and, and Andy created the same alter ego with the same name. I mean, that is that so... Is that, isn't that amazing. weird? It's amazing. It's amazing. And I found out about it way after I was an Andy Kaufman fan. Like, I, no. like I moved to L.A. before I ever found out about, about uh, Tony, Tony Clifton. Clifton. What did, what did you feel when you saw Tony Clifton for the first time? You must have, your mouth must have dropped a little bit. I was like, well, I never, I, I, it took me a long time before I even realized, you know, it's one of those things that's just too weird. You don't really realize yeah. it right away. Right. It, it's like wanting to live in a town where <laughs> Leave it to Beaver lives and he lives across, you move across the street from Right, him. just by accident. I think I told you this story about, about my wife. Before we were even married, I took her on a date, and I found out she had an alter ego called Nancy, and because her, her she had two little ones, and they were just constantly bugging her, and she needed a break. You know, they're <laughs> pawing at her in the kitchen, and so she she just snapped one day. She went, "Get away, child! Nancy must dance." And she like she she always had music going, so she had something to dance to, and she became this nightclub dancer that, that didn't even know who these kids were. You know, she said. My, my stepson loved her, like he just loved Nancy, and, but my stepdaughter was scared of her because she was younger. You know, they're talking like four and six, you know, years old. Yeah. And so she'd go, Nancy must dance. And, you know, the children would quit pawing at her, and she would do these, these dance moves in the kitchen. And they didn't, they're like, what happened to my mom? You know, where's mom? <laughs> and so, you know, she would do that periodically. She said, my, my stepson just loved Nancy, and one day she got a call from the school, and uh, 
And my stepdaughter, I guess, had, had told her teacher, sometimes Nancy dances and I'm scared of her. And they didn't know who Nancy was because they, they knew my wife, but they didn't know who this Nancy person was. So they called for like a conference. <laughs> Oh, my so wife had explained the whole thing. Oh, like, no, Nancy is this alter ego. <laughs> so when I, when we started dating, I, I, I found out about Nancy, and so I had my Tony suit, and so I rented a limo. I had champagne. She was Nancy. I was Tony. She had a black wig on. She looked like Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. And we went over to her friend's house, who's very conservative, prim and proper. The lady opens the front door, the limo's parked out front. I think she kind of recognizes my wife and we just kind of push our way into the house with the champagne bottle in one hand. And I, I was so belligerent. The little dog comes out, <coughs> you know, dog's barking at me. And I went, shut up you little rat. I got chunks of my stool bigger than you. And I was like, <laughs> and we were just, we were like, we put our feet up on her couch and we were like drinking champagne and this woman barely recognized my wife. I mean, she, she knew enough that it was her to, look, to not bar us from coming in, but we just barged in and we like just took over her house. And I, I felt bad afterwards, but it was so much fun. We just, we tore her house up. Just, we were so bad. We were such bad. I mean, my wife was playing along, but I mean, she let me do all the damage. That was kind of the last time I think that was the last time Tony made an appearance, but I've still got the suit in the garage ready to go. But between that and your Viagra suit, you you really <laughs> have something so in common with Andy, like... Well, no, but, but thank you, Wendy, but Andy, though, is a performance artist professional and a comedic genius on a cosmic level where, at best, I just enjoy getting into character to play an occasional practical joke. No. Did you meet Andy that time we had a party? Yeah, and from what I remember, you had vertigo that night. You weren't married yet. Right. And we'd introduced you to Don, but I don't think you two were engaged yet. And you weren't feeling well, so you spent most of the party or all of it upstairs in bed. Oh, Alice and I were working at this horrible job, except doing different things. And, like, I took the job. It was an, a law firm, and they were supposed to train me to be a, I forgot what kind of legal secretary, and but they didn't train me. So like all the the files were piled up in in front of my face, and I didn't know what I was doing. And oh. like this one, there were two secretaries, and one was getting married. So all she was talking about was her was her um, registry and this is you know getting married. And the other one was too busy to help me learn what I was doing. And, and there was like a, a dish of candy on my desk. So all I would do was eat the candy. And like, and I, I think that the combination, I really think that's, it was actually called Meniere's disease. I had to cancel our wedding because I, like the room, the walls were spinning every single day. I couldn't get out of bed. But wait, did I have a party when I had vertigo? Yeah, you, I don't know. Yeah, you, you had a party. I don't know how you pulled it off or whether you started feeling funny after you had invited everybody over or somehow you ended up in your bedroom locked in the room so nobody would bother was, you. Yeah. But I'd heard when I was over, I heard that Andy was coming over at some point. So I was like on pins and needles thinking any minute Andy Kaufman's going to walk in this house. And I'm like, I'm such a fan. I, you know how starstruck you were after watching him perform? Right, right. Well, I don't get that way usually, but in his case, I was like, oh my God, you know, I, 
I, I just, I didn't want to make him feel weird. I don't like approaching celebrities. I, I just want to hang out and everybody have fun. But when the doorbell rang, I mean, the party pretty thin, pretty much thinned out, I think. And you were still, uh, you were still there. upstairs in bed. And uh, it was me and Alice and, uh, and I think I had the feeling your roommates were around somewhere, but I don't know where. And so the doorbell rings and I, and I went to get it and I, I, I open it up and Andy's standing there and he, he doesn't want me to recognize him. I could tell he just wants to see you. So he's acting like foreign man. <laughs> so he's acting like, so I won't give him any attention, you know. <laughs> so he's kind of doing foreign man when I let him in the front door. And I pointed in the living room, which was right near the front right. door. Yeah. And I went, I just trying to, I was just being a goofball. I went, the party's in here. And I pointed <laughs> to this totally empty room. And he like looked at me funny and just kind of sidestepped around me. I guess he knew where you were, and I'm sure he was like, I don't have time to figure this out, so I'm getting out of here. So he went upstairs and was talking with you, and I'm freaking out because, oh my God, Andy Kaufman's in the house. And I start writing these absurd notes and sliding them under the door because you guys are in there chatting. And um, so eventually he opens the door to come out or whatever, and, and you, you guys are still talking, you and, you and Andy, as he's kind of winding up to leave. And he's looking down at these notes on the floor with the same puzzled look on his face that he gave me at the front door. Can't blame him, I guess. And, you know, my girlfriend's there, and she, she said, hi. She goes, I, I, I met you at such and so, and I guess she'd met him before. And uh, she goes, yeah, last time I saw you, you, you had fake snot coming out of your nose. And Andy said, was it my New York snot or my L.A. snot? <laughs> and I, and I, I'm just standing there on the side, like, wondering what the hell they're talking about. And, and, uh, and, and, and then he goes in the bathroom, which is right in front of, you know, the other side of your bedroom. And he come and he goes, he's in there for a while and y'all are still talking. And he goes, he goes, he goes, comes out and he goes, here's my LA snot. And it was like dribbling. It's this glycerin dribble that kind of hung yeah. down about, you know, maybe it was just about a little below his lip or whatever. It was disgusting yeah. as hell, but. But it's still funny because I knew it was fake. And then, and then he goes, here's it. He said, this is my L.A. snot. And then he goes back in the bathroom. You, know, you guys are still chatting and stuff. And then he comes out. He says, this, he says, and this is my New York snot. And it was down to his, it was, <laughs> it was like, it was like a, a spaghetti noodle hanging down oh almost, almost to his so knee. Gross. It was oh. just jiggling and this, it was just, it was, <laughs> It was so he absurd. Probably, I bet he just loved that, though, that he could show <laughs> off his snots to you. His New York snot. And it, I mean, they totally underplayed that in the movie. I mean, in the, in the Jim Carrey movie? Yeah. He, no. They just had a little thing on his lip, and I'm like, that is not the snot I saw, you know. <laughs> I, I just remembered why you would not have been at the first one when Alice saw the snot. Because... I had called, that's how I met Alice. I called Cork to invite him to that party. Uh, and she says, I'll come. And I said, okay, whatever, you know. And that's, that's how I met her. She came to the party. Yeah, I'll come. Like, that does sound yeah. like And I guess we probably weren't at her house that night. So. Right. Because <laughs> I lived, we lived very close to each other uh -huh. at that time. Yeah. I remember the first part of that party, you were upstairs. 
And we were out in the front yard. Yeah. Get off the lawn. Yeah, get off the lawn. You're like shouting at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I had never, that was so freaking funny. I'd never seen anybody do that or use that. But, but it was like, what the hell is, the, get off the, you're telling your own party guests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that, that you were on. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just, I was trying to do it in an old person's voice. So you think I was the landlord or something. Did you know that was me? Well, I could see you. You were hanging out the window. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just remember saying, get off the lawn. <laughs> yeah, just the whole idea of it was so crazy because, I mean, these are your own guests, and you're yelling like some old man at, the, at your own guests to get off the And I remember loving that. It was so absurd and funny. So in my memory, I've always thought that you were having an attack of vertigo from something to do with your engagement or something that night just because... Because that kind of stuff is stressful for anybody. I think that was before dawn because I one time had vertigo like just for a couple of hours and it was might have been during the party because I remember sitting, I was like naked in front of the bathtub holding a spoon of Coca-Cola. Oh no, but that was before dawn because his, his, Barry's uncle was a pharmacist and he told me, he gave me Coca-Cola syrup and, and I had the spoon in front of my face and two hours later, uh, the spoon was still, I hadn't moved. I was so dizzy and nauseous. Oh. I, I couldn't, so so um, Don only met Andy after he had cancer. And he, he had the screening of my breakfast with Lossie. And, and Andy came with me. And then we all went to the um, improv after for for dessert. And, and that's when Andy met um, Don. So I don't think Andy, I mean, I don't think Don lived there yet with me no you're right he wasn't living there so maybe you weren't engaged but i thought you were at least dating and considering being engaged or something i don't know but that was after andy died when when don and i were getting because andy died in 1984 yeah i thought it was two or maybe three months after that party is when andy got ill exactly yeah and i yeah. thought here it is i just get to meet him then he gets sick you know, I felt so bad for you and yeah, um, yeah. I'm just remembering the night he, I was having another. That was a real party central place. It was a big house. You had a big house. Yeah. Well, I hate to end it here, but I understand you have some other plans this evening, and I don't want you to be late. So let me just say thank you again, Wendy, for coming on. Thank you. And we'll just continue the interview in part four of this episode when Zen can hopefully join in with us to talk about your role playing yourself in the movie Man on the Moon with comedy genius Jim Carrey playing your beloved friend, partner, and comedy legend, the late, great Andy Kaufman. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and share this episode link with your closest friends so you can all chat about it later. Whatever you do, though, don't stray too far because we may be crazy. But we may just be the lunatics you're looking for. Turn out the lights and good night, everybody.
Gray Matter Radio Hour is a satirical sci-fi comedy variety talk show. The opinions used in conspiracy theories expressed on the program are solely for entertainment purposes and should in no way be construed as fact. Listeners are urged to do their own research and draw their own conclusions on the topics discussed. All material copyright Global Pandemic Productions 2020. Closing music by the All Human Parts Orchestra. Available on both Bandcamp and SoundClick.com.